it's kind of the same still, but it's actually really not. Um, it's very expensive to live here and people are pretty uptight. But this house is kind of like, sort of like a one of the last standing kind of original homes that from that era. I mean, it was built even before then, but it's probably back in the day when there was actually a lot of musicians living here. It was probably more like a lot of houses like this rather than a lot of the other houses that you see around, which right. are which are newer. So. Right. We're finally going. I finally got it to go because I forgot using this one because it doesn't want to work, you know? No worries. So Derek, how's it going? I mean, I know I already asked that, but like I think we're kind of past that point. But how are you on this beautiful day? I'm great. And I'm the, doing good. I'm good. doing good. Yeah. yeah. We were talking earlier about the entrance band, right? Actually, you know what? I, I'll have to start with that. So you said that you moved from Chicago to over here. And what, what prompted that? Was, was it music or was it? Yeah. Yeah, it was. So that so that was probably, I always forget exactly what year it was, but I think it was probably 2007. Do you mind if I jump to this chair? So yeah, that's fine. Do you want me to? No, no, no. You're good. I'm going to come over there. But, uh, oh, I'm sorry. About no that. worries. Oh, I'm really sorry. Anyways, no worries. so I uh, moved here. Yeah, I moved. From Chicago. I moved here from Chicago because the entrance band was happening. And um, we were just doing a lot. It was right when we were kind of starting to sort of be known as a group, um, in particular on the West Coast, because Guy, um, Guy Blakesley, and Paz Lanchantin, bassist, um, uh, really they were bassist. they were both living here, um, and I was living in Chicago, and so I was flying back and forth a lot to do shows with them, and. Um, I'm really sorry about that, man. No worries. Oh, you know, I can get a, I can get a, a washcloth for that. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll just add a little bit. I'm really sorry about that. Um, but yeah, entrance band. How did you, uh, since you were over there and they were kind of over here, how did, how did you guys um, meet up? How did you guys uh, coordinate that uh, meeting? Well, we actually first all started to play together in Chicago. So there was a time when we were all living there. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so that's kind of when it sort of started. But um me and Guy had known each other um, for quite a while, and um, we had done some stuff, some music as sort of like as the two of us, just drums and guitar. And Paz and Guy had known each other for quite a while as well, and they had done some music, just the two of them as well. And then in sort of a, sort of a cosmic way I don't know what the best word to use it would be but Paz ended up moving into the house that I was living in in Chicago sort of in a temporary way and then all of a sudden Paz and I who had never really met before but we knew of each other through because of Guy being our mutual friend, friend right. and musician collaborator all of a sudden Paz has moved into my house and it's like oh right like you know like and we have both played with guy oh we should probably just play we should we should see what that's like you know to play as the three of us and rather than it jumping straight into being like we just started jamming or practicing or like being a band we actually were guy wanted to just make a record so we started making a record in chicago recording in chicago um and that was sort of the first time that that uh 
that we started to play together. And I think that our first show, that just the three of us, was in Chicago after a recording session for that record. We just like wow. we had finished recording, and then we just like we cruised over to this local spot, which was, I think, just like a taco shop, and we played. Um, because there was like a, a local neighborhood band um, that were like made up of all kinds of other musicians from other bands and we just showed up and played and that was the first time we had played together at all <laughs> but we sort of all knew the songs because we had been working on this record right wow and so then it kind of it just sort of took off from there that's but the record that we were making at that time is the the album that's called Prayer of Death and this was in early 90s no, this was in, no, much later than that. Um, this was 2004. So kind of close. 2004 or 2005. All right. All right. And then they moved out here and then you stayed back there? Or what, what, what prompted the transition? Well, Guy moved out here because of uh, his girl, he and his girlfriend wanted to just be on the West Coast. And Paz, Paz moved out here. Well, she grew up here. Um, and she moved here because the reason that she was living in Chicago at the time was because she was playing in a band called Zwan, which was with Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins. Who? <laughs> <laughs> and like some other, it was kind of like a super group that Billy Corgan was putting together. Wow. And so that's why she was living in Chicago at that time, and that's why that happened. And then when that band broke up, she actually moved to Louisville, Kentucky for a little bit with her bandmate from Zwan, whose name is David Pajo. And he actually had moved into the house that I was living in in Chicago as well. Paz and David Pajo moved into the house that I was living in um, at the same time. And this was right when Zwan was kind of breaking up. And David Pajo is a pretty well-known um, musician as well with his groups like Slint. And um, he was in Stereo Lab and Tortoise and some bands, a lot of bands from Chicago and Louisville. And, uh, and his project was called Papa M., and he was putting out a new album, so Paz was involved with that, and they moved to Louisville, which was where David Pajo is originally from. So when that was done with that project, they, were, they did a tour, then Paz moved back to California. And that was around the same time that Guy moved to California with his girlfriend at the time. And so then it was like, they were based here, and it was like, hey, we need to be doing some shows with Entrance, you know, with the Entrance Band. Well, it was sort of before we had changed the name to being like the Entrance Band. Um, but anyway... What was it prior? What was it? Just uh, entrance, because prior it was Guy's sort of musical project that was often just solo. Right. Yeah. And which he still does some solo stuff just as entrance as well. So, yeah, it's a good deal. So then you, you you finally make it out here, and then you you move into this place. Yeah. With with Guy. Yeah. And then you guys start doing that again being the entrance band yeah then we kind of just started to be pretty busy and active as a band based here in LA because me moving here really enabled us to start to do a lot more so yeah so then we did that we continued to do that throughout the rest of the 2000s and into the early 2000s um, and then I mean I'm sorry into the early 2010 10, 11 yeah. 12 13 but then we kind of had take we took a break sort of from playing live um, just for a bunch of reasons but um, so yeah we're playing tonight and we did some shows last weekend or two weekends ago in San Francisco opening up for Rocky Erickson but those were our how was that that was really good that that, how, was, how was his uh, show 
Uh, that was his performance, rather. Uh, he was good. I mean, you know, he's really, you know, he's old and he's been through a lot. So the fact that he's still, like, willing to get up on stage and do it is kind of insane. It's admirable, for yeah. sure. I mean, I mean yeah. he's very old. I mean, he sits he sits down the whole time, you know, and... As he, he, I think sure. he's, he, I think fine. he's able to. I yeah, think that yeah. he's like yeah, yeah. gone through enough. But his, you know, he's got. I think his son is is kind of like the band leader, and so all of the group are kind of younger musicians from Texas, and they do a really good job. That's great. It's, it's kind of like uh, uh, I've heard that Daniel Johnston, like how he's playing now. It's kind of like the uh-huh. same, kind of on the same thing of right. Rocky, but that that's awesome. Yeah, and, and it is it, it show was great. And you guys, yeah, yeah, they were they were really good shows. Did that baffle you opening up for him? Like, oh my gosh, like thirteen floor elevators and all the stuff that he's I mean, done. Yeah, I mean, I I was I was really excited about it. I was happy to do it. You know, <laughs> yeah, I was I was very pleased to have been asked to do it. Yeah, wow, and uh, and you played with Mazzy Star too, right? Mm-hmm. How did that come about? Well, that came about, well, because their original drummer um, died, right? Yeah, he died. Uh, Keith Mitchell was his name. So he passed away um, a few years back, and uh, which is really unfortunate, and he was, he was someone that I knew. Um, but he, uh, so yeah, he passed, but they wanted to, you know, be able to keep doing the group, so... They asked me, and I mean, the reason why we knew each other was because the entrance band um, opened up for them twice on two different tours. So we sort of knew each other f- from that. That's wow. that was, that's how it kind of came about. That's and the, and uh, was it a surprise when they're like, "Hey, could you come fill in for drums for us?" Uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. Um. um I certainly, yeah, I wasn't really expecting that to come my way. What I was mainly surprised about was that um, they asked me to do it, or asked me if I was interested in doing it, and I said yes, um, and that that was it. Um, and then all of a sudden it was just, you know, I was the drummer. There wasn't like, there wasn't um, like tryouts or, yeah, so. It's just like we're gonna use. Yeah, them. I don't know. It was weird for a while. I was like, just you know, emailing with their manager and just being like, "Yeah, I'm interested in doing it. Let me know. Like, you know, let me know what's going on. Keep me posted." And then it was like, just getting together and like, you know, David Roback, the guitarist. It's him and it's you know it's his band. He and Hope Sandoval, the singer, it's their band. Um, you know, and I hadn't seen David in years since the tour that we had done together. Um, but yeah, meeting up and seeing him and him just putting a book down in front of me with, you know, 40 songs of all the lyrics and all the chords and being like, okay, we'll get started learning all these. And then that was it. And the first shows that we did were three nights in a row at the Sydney Opera House in Sydney, Australia. Oh boy. And there was, and that was the first time that I'd ever played, those shows were the first shows that I ever played with them. They hadn't played as a band in, I don't know, four or five years or something. Um, yeah. You had asked me before if I ever got nervous or stressed out uh, about shows, and I said that I typically don't. But in that, in, in that case, I was, I, was, I was pretty nervous. Um, it ended up going all right, you know. But <laughs> I had told their manager that we should have done 
some smaller shows, some warm up, some warm up to build up to to get our feet wet. And he was like, "Yeah, um, I don't really think that that's going to be possible this time." (laughs) So I was like, "All right then." Oh boy, Um, do you you ever get stage fright going up to these audiences or anything? Um, I you know I don't really so much anymore. So I mean, if it's a Sometimes if it's like a really big festival or something, then I'll feel it maybe a little bit. I wouldn't say stage fright, but more just like a little nervous, you know. But I remember as a kid when I was like had my first bands when I was in middle school, um, you know, like punk bands, hardcore bands and stuff and playing these shows, you know, for the first time in your life ever, you know, I got I was I would get incredible stage fright, you know, before. And these are just like, you know punk shows in like right. basements or you know garages or whatever yeah just like it, it could be anywhere someone's living room but still it was like the amount of like how i would get so nervous when i was younger about things like that and um so i mean i definitely have spent my time plenty of my time in life as a musician having anxiety and nervous energy prior to a show but i think that these days i've gotten over it over the years it's it's faded away it subsided. Yeah. Thank goodness, because yeah. uh, going to Sydney, I mean that would that would have rattled your cage a little bit when you were younger, huh? Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't Maybe. have. I wouldn't have really been qualified for the job when I was younger. <laughs> but uh, how long have you been playing drums for? How, what, uh, when it, where, where I did mean, kind of my whole life, really. Um, it wasn't my first instrument that I took lessons for, um, but I mean. As a kid, I was always like making my own kind of drum sets at home with, uh, you know, I mean, everybody bangs on pots and pans and stuff, right? But, you know, I would get like different types of, of, uh, of buckets, you know, and like paint buckets and paint cans and like uh, mop, you know, mop buckets and uh, all kinds of different things that made different sounds and I would and I would organize them next to each other in like a configuration that was sort of like it was a drum set. Right. And I would do these kinds of, you know, I would make these beats or these types of and I would just drum on it. Often it was like, you know, I was trying to replicate like the types of drums that you'd hear at like a football game or like a basketball game because I was always like, you know, there was a lot of like marching bands and parades and stuff in the town that I grew up in in Michigan where you'd hear like you know these drummers and and marching bands or whatever doing these these you know these cadences and so that was like the sort of thing that I would try to like do on these paint cans and buckets and stuff um you know and I and so I feel like I was pretty I mean rhythm was like something that came pretty easy to me I guess but then I remember when I first had the opportunity to play an instrument for school, it was the orchestra first in fourth grade, which I had the option to join. And so I wanted to be a part of it. And so I learned to play violin. Um, And then it wasn't until fifth grade that you could be a part of the band, the marching band. And I remember, I remember I did a a musical tryout for that thinking that I was going to play the drums and they said like, Oh yeah, no, no, you're not, you know, you're based on your musical, based on your test you know, like you don't have rhythm or, you know, that type of thing, oh. which I knew was bullshit. But, yeah. um, but anyway, Wait, I was... Have you seen these like pots and pans I got going <laughs> well, in buckets the... <laughs> in, the, in the house? Yeah, well, they hadn't, but, um, <laughs> you know. So anyway, after, then I started to play the trumpet. So then I was playing violin and trumpet. 
simultaneously in the orchestra and in the band. And then, you know, that was in like fourth and fifth grade. And then I got into middle school in sixth grade. And then it was like, you know, I was, I did, I was still playing the trumpet in the band, but at that time it was like, what I really need to play is guitar, you know, cause that's where it's at, you know, like it's that's all about, it. all about Nirvana, you know, and smashing pumpkins and Pearl Jam and you know, all that stuff. That's, that's when that was happening, you know? So then I started to play guitar, taking guitar lessons and I was a guitarist in all of my first bands. Oh boy. Right. Um, but then the reason why I started to play the drums was because like like a, the drum set and like starting to play the drum set mm-hmm. was because we would practice my bands would practice at my house well my, my parents house and our drummer left the drum set set up at my house because that's where we would rehearse and so I would play the drums when the band wasn't practicing because they were they were at my house now right the drum set um, and then I kind of started to get pretty good and uh, I had ultimately, I think, decided that I had become be- a better drummer than the drummer of our band, but that the drummer of our band was actually a really good singer or screamer, I should say, because all the all the the vocals were screaming. Um, he had a really good scream, so so I was like, you should be the singer, because our our singer is actually a really good guitarist. Oh man, just all you know, and, and the guitarist is actually totally capable of playing bass. So we all switched <laughs> instruments and we changed the name of the band and then we kind of started to have a different sound. What was the name of the band? Fable. Ooh, very nice. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Yeah. So that was when I started to play the drums. Like, And then I was like, okay, actually I want to start taking lessons now too. And so I was probably 14 at that time. Wow. Yeah. And that matured into what it is now. Yeah, pretty. One thing leads to another. You know, I mean, that band that I was in continued all throughout high school, and you know, we made like a couple seven inches and wow. stuff, and like we, you know, we took it pretty seriously, and um, you know, none of us could drive. I mean, there was a while when we were all under sixteen and no one could drive, so my dad drove us to every show. Um, but yeah, then when I was, you know, got out of high school, which was in Michigan, um. I started college in Chicago immediately um, at a school called Columbia College, but that had a music program. And so then I I immediately moved to Chicago after high school and started studying the drums in this music program. Well, mainly studying jazz is what I wanted to get into. So that's, yeah, one thing leads to another. Yeah. I guess I've been playing the drums my whole life. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. And and now, how many many groups do you play with? Right now, yeah, as of right now, I think like eight. Wow, oh my gosh, does it does it ever do you get bored of it? Do you ever get tired of uh, playing the drums, or do you just love it so much? No, I always look forward to it. It can be it can be hard though because you know, um, I mean, it's just hard to like, you know, I'm not a kid anymore, and I've got kids. You know, I'm married and I've got kids, and it can be hard to really keep a consistent income coming in from, right. from music um, and you know all, not all of the projects in fact none of the projects that I'm involved in are like full time things you know where it's like where there's any sort of consistency or it's not 9 to 5 well nothing sure. would ever be a 9 to 5 <laughs> but there's everything is like kind of part time you know um, so it's hard to 
you know, really make it all add up to something. I mean, not that I'm thinking about money all the time. I'm really not. But unfortunately, I do have to a little bit as well because I've got responsibility with my kids. And, of course. Of you course. know, it's expensive to live in L.A. Um, but, uh, yeah, like eight bands right now. <laughs> and what, what are the, who, uh, who are those bands? Um, let's see. The Entrance Band, um, Mazzy Star, The Pesos, The Tide, um, Parting Lines, Trimmers, Leah Ices, uh, and then we have this group that's a, a, uh, a tribute group, like a cover band to mm -hmm. the, the, uh, English, English, uh, group called Felt. Yeah. So... That's like a band, like kind of like a band as well. Um, who's who's in that felt cover band? Because I've seen it, I've seen it uh, around on Instagram and whatnot. Yeah, we've just we've just played a few times. Yeah, but they were really great. I mean, like really fun, you know, and everybody enjoyed it. And we're gonna do another show in San Francisco, actually. Um, well, because we've only played in L.A., but so now we're gonna go up to San Francisco in a few weeks to play, and we're also gonna play at a festival in Sonoma. Um, but it's me on drums, Jessica Espolita on bass uh wayne failer on uh guitar and he sings and nick hessler on guitar and he sings a little bit and then there's sort of a revolving cast of other people that you know um take places that 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 sort of front the band singing you know people that are fans of the band that want to do it you know Darren uh, from the Tide, um, Darren Rademacher. D-Rad. Yeah, D-Rad. <laughs> Matt Fishbeck from Holy Shit. He's pretty involved. Um, uh, Tamarin, she's done She's done a couple performances. Ariel Pink joined us last time we played. Um, there's a keys player named Dinah Kilgore, and she plays, um, she's plays keys on some of the songs. And um, Tiffany Anders, she did some songs with us. Um, yeah, so it's, you know, the love of the band felt sort of unites people, I think, you know, and so it comes together in this kind of organic way and people get really excited about it. And when we do it, it's just so fun because it's so fun to play those songs because we all love, you know, the band. Lo love that music so much. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah. How'd you get involved with the pesos? Um, well, Jan had just. Uh, well, I've known Jan forever. I've known those guys forever. Um, Jan and Joey. I mean, like, there's been a revolving cast of people in the Pesos over the years. Um, but right, you know, Jan was just around. You know, early like when the entrance band was really active, he was around. You know, um, and so I met him first because he was hanging out at our shows and stuff and you know we were pl we played a lot back in the day with like you know the growlers and stuff be before they got really big and um you know so just that kind of that scene and jan was jan was around and so i've known him forever and then and then you know they started the group he started the pesos and you know i met joey and bradford who was in the band at the time right, and, right. um you know CP. some other people well cp's in it now of course yeah. um, but he wasn't in it back then yeah, somebody, somebody else is playing bass, right? Yeah, well, there's been a handful of other people that have played, um, but uh, and other drummers and stuff. Um, but, uh, so, I mean, yeah, they opened up for the entrance band, you know, at least one time, maybe even more than that. And I always thought they were really good. But, yeah, I don't know. 
I mean, I had I had put out some sort of mix a couple year or two ago, um, and Jan had written to me and was like, "Dude, I'm loving this," you know, and I was like, "Thanks," and um, and he was like, "What are you doing? What are you up to? Like, who are you playing with?" And at that time, I was like really playing with like no one, just for whatever reason, you know, mm-hmm. just like some of the things that I was doing were kind of going on, but like maybe like once or, once on or twice a year, yeah. you know? And so Jan was like, well, we might need a drummer. Like, would you want to play with us? And I was just kind of like, yeah. <laughs> so that's how it happened. Did you, did you uh, do all the drums on the newest album? No, Nick, Nick Murray did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because he was the drummer before I was. I didn't know. That. And then he sort of stepped down and that's when I came in. Yeah. All right. How yeah. many, uh, you of course played on albums for studio versions, right? I mean, like like recorded it and been on the on the hand of that, right? Like playing with other people and then putting down the the track, right? For, yeah, yeah. For drums. Yeah. How does that? Do you, do you like doing that? Or uh-huh. yeah, it, absolutely. I love I love doing studio work. Yeah. That's how do you figure out um, different beats and patterns to do um, uh, on on a on a record like that or do you kind of go off of somebody else what they're working on or do you just kind of have an idea in mind it can come about from a variety of ways um you know on one hand there's you know you have to invent something you know that you're going to bring to the table that fits but it should be informed by what you're going to play it should be informed by what you can hear everyone else is doing you know and like what you feel the song is calling for you know what type of mood what type of uh how slow or how fast it's supposed to be how busy or how simple it's supposed to be uh you know when to leave space when to add more energy yeah, all kinds of factors in it and sometimes you know you don't always get it right the first time you know sometimes it takes a long time to develop those things so it comes about in all kinds of ways i mean sometimes it's sometimes it's effortless and easy you know and sometimes it's a lot of trial and error but I don't know I mean sometimes you know I'll just get inspired by like oh I'm hearing this song like this is the song we're working on like and like I'll think of some other song that I know well I'm like what if we tried to do something that was sort of like that but put it into this different context or you know get get inspiration from other music you know I mean that's ultimately what I do is I get inspiration from music (laughs) You know, and um, try to um, try to build on uh, my my abilities and and uh, my creativity by being inspired by other music, and and how I can expand um, what my own style is. Right. Yeah. Who would you say some of your biggest influences are in terms of drumming? Oh man, I don't know. I mean, it's like, I mean, my favorite, probably my favorite drummers are are jazz drummers. Um, That, you know, that style of music is just like, it's just something else altogether. But I also like, don't really. It's very busy. Yeah, it's very. Well, yeah, it can. I mean, it can be. um, But uh, it's also very different from you know playing in rock and roll groups or whatever, which is most of what I do. So. If you were to ask me the question of who are my favorite drummers, you know, it could go anywhere, you know, because I, it's like, well, you want to talk about jazz or do you want to talk about, you know, rock and roll or, you know, pop or whatever. So it could, 
it could it all depends on you know what field we're talking about like what sort of music but like i mean if if we if we jazz aside if i wanted to talk about you know rock and roll drummers that i like you know i mean i love charlie watts i love ringo Starr. of course you know i love uh you know just people that do it right i don't know um often with rock and um rock and pop music it often becomes about um who's playing to just just fit with the music you know and like just fit the vibe right you know it's not about like it's not about trying to play a lot and you know show that you're really good you know that you can do this kind of fill or you can you can play really fast or you can like be really loud it's not about that it is so not about that it's all about being able to play in a way that complements the music and also play in a way that makes everyone else play good and yeah. play better and feel that like we're all on the same page and we're all doing this together and it's and it's a it's a unit of all parts coming together working together it's not about you know I'm doing this. The drummer's doing, doing this yeah. crazy thing, you know. It's it's about figuring out it's about figuring out what to play and what not to play, you know? Right. Yeah. So I feel like people like Ringo Starr and Charlie Watts are 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 um really great examples of people that play that way. Um but I mean I like all kind, you know. Like I like all kinds of drummers. I mean Robert Robert Wyatt from the soft machine and stuff like he was an incredible incredibly busy kind of prog drummer who was basically just really into jazz you know and i think he's fucking awesome you know but that's what that music was it was like they were doing that kind of crazy thing you know or like even like mitch mitchell with Jimi hendrix like i love him and you know they're just kind of doing that sort of more frantic more energy kind of thing you know it's that's what the band called for. I mean, the entrance band kind of calls for some of that energy as well, you know? Um, so any any kind of, it's all about just kind of trying to really take in what the what the feeling of the music is supposed to be and, and, and play that way. <laughs> I, th- I think it's a great way to describe yeah. it. That's, that's awesome. What, uh, so what was your first real, quote unquote, to your, to, in your eyes, your first concert that's like, this is a real, this is not like a party or a house thing that whatever, I, that I played that, that, that you, that you took part in that you played in. I mean, the band that I played in that I talked about earlier, Fable, I mean, we played some, you know, some like hardcore punk shows, you know, where there was like a lot of people there, you know, like hundreds of people. Wow. So, so I feel like that's crazy it, to have as a high school band like, like you were saying hundreds yeah, we of did, people you wow. know we were we were kind of like this weird sort of we were way younger than everyone else in that sort of scene and people kind of liked that about us it was like so people were kind of trying to give us a chance and give us a shot because well I think that people thought we were good too um, did you think you were you were I mean did I think we were good th- th- yeah yeah we thought we definitely thought we were good <laughs> um, we were good um but uh yeah i mean the those those kinds of things happened early on in high school that's wow that that's i mean that that's crazy that you're doing that i mean because you don't you know i mean you see a lot of uh, kids um 
really being able to like go out there and play for hundreds of people. I mean, like it's especially in like a high school band, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, it was a we were in Michigan, and I don't know. People were bored, and you know, if there was something going on, people came out, you know. Um. So, but yeah, we did. We took it seriously. We worked. We worked pretty hard on it, and um, and it showed obviously. Yeah. Do what you were able to do. Yeah. And there wasn't a million different platforms to hear music on. Right. And, and how, do you, how, do, how do you feel that that's affect, affected music nowadays? Like that there's so much stuff like YouTube and SoundCloud and you got this and that, a million different bands getting signed. And right. it's so hard to keep up with, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, I, e- I mean, I don't even really quite know how to begin that conversation because I don't know. I mean... I don't necessarily work in music business. If I did, I would probably have some better answers to this type of thing. But... I need stats. I need statistics. <laughs> but for me, I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit in a bubble, and I'm definitely a bit naive because I just like records. So I collect I collect records. You know, I buy, I when something new that comes out, you know, I want I want to buy it. I want to own it. You know, so I don't use SoundCloud. Um, I just don't use it, and. I mean, I actually do kind of have a, I do have a problem with it um, about the fact that it's, you know, pe- people just, get, you know, everybody gets their music for free. Readily accessible. You know, nobody, no musicians get paid. Nobody makes any money anymore. Right. That to me is, is, a, is a totally legitimate problem. Um, that doesn't mean that I'm like super like boycott it, you know, because I know that that's like, there's kind of no going back. I think that they should probably be working towards how to figure out a better way of compensation. I mean, it's, I sort of view it like it's probably still a work in progress, but I mean, for people that want to boycott it, you know, like I don't blame them, you know, for people that use it, I don't blame them, you know, it's free, it's easy, you know, it's 2019, you know, the technology is here, but unfortunately it's really done a lot of damage, you know, for people trying to make a living as a musician you know i mean it's i mean when you look at the numbers of like what people make it's insulting you know like what people make through through soundcloud which is i mean spotify that's what i meant spotify um or you know there's others what other platforms apple music or i don't know what else is out there what david david uh uh, crosby he 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 put out his like this is what i earn per month and it was like ridiculous super low streams yeah 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 i mean it's it's insulting you know and i mean people are listening to the music there they're not buying the cd you know it's not you know they're not buying the cd or the record or they're not buying it on itunes i mean some people do but most people just don't you know and again i'm not like blaming people for doing that you know like because i don't yeah again it's 2019 but it's kind of fucked you know it's yeah, super fucked definitely and um but you know there has got there's probably benefits from it as well you know people that are like well now i can check out this and this and this and this and this you know like i guess that's a benefit i don't know <laughs> i don't know if that i don't know yeah, i mean funny. my perspective on it as a musician is ultimately going to be different than a listener's perspective right you know but um, I, I, th- I think people want to hear that because, like, you know, like most people listening to this, they're not musicians. And, like, yeah, you know, I, I wonder how uh, it is on looking at it from different, you know, viewpoints. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's like you basically, as an artist, you need to restructure everything about, like, what it means to be a, mu- a working musician or a working artist. 
now you have to figure out how to make money in the other ways, you know, which is mostly comes back to live performance, you know, or getting your song in a film or a TV, you know, getting syncs, as they would say, um, that's become more of like a focus. And that's a bummer because that changes the music too. You know, it ultimately makes people more um, aware of that. Like, well, if we're really trying to make money, we need to be like, what type of music is going to be the thing that's going to get us, you know, in this commercial or in this show or in this film, you know? Um, I don't know. I'm not trying to be like a super negative guy about it, you know? No, that's but, how it is. But like, that's, ultimately, yeah. that is that is a reality of it. That's, that's one side of it. Um, and I mean, it's certainly harder and harder to to uh exist as a musician than ever before right yeah that's that's true oh man it's kind of kind of dark times a bit a little yeah, bit i mean honestly it is it's like do you think that it'll ever revert to something that's more tangible i, I hope so or? i mean you know there might be like a you know people might i don't know it could it's very well could i mean sometimes people were like well vinyl is coming back it's a comeback it's like you know it's the backlash to the MP3 or to the streaming world. You know, it's like people want to own something and there's truth in that. I mean, that's kind of where I've always been that way, but you know, I think that some people feel that way, but it's not enough. I mean, like it, it's not going to ever, you know, when you think about like how much people, how much people used to spend on music, buying CDs and buying tapes, mainly that CDs, you know, I mean, for at least in my life, it was like, you know, in the 90s, it was like you spent your money on CDs, you know, like you'd go to the CD store and it was like, oh, like I want to I want to hear the new, um, you know, I want the new whatever give a name, that give just a came name. out. <laughs> I want the, you know, like I want to hear what this new band is that I haven't heard before, but they're on, you know, this record label. Like, mm. so, I, oh, it's on Sub Pop. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, I'll buy it. Like because it's a new band that I heard about and it's on sub pop, you know, so I'll buy that. I'll check it out, you know, and you just buy it, yeah. you know, that's a gamble. Yeah. That's a gamble. That you're, and, that and you're like, and it's there. like, and it's, you know, that's just what I was used to growing up. You know, I, I mean, I had a paper out, I worked at a pizza shop, you know, all kinds of things. I mean, oh, I've, I've, I've always worked, but you know, it's like, you know, that's what I would spend my money on. And that's what everybody spent their money on, you know? Like, it wasn't an issue being like, oh, Siamese Dream is coming out. I'm going to go buy it at the store. It was more like, I can't wait to buy that when it comes out. Like, we're going there, you know? Like, whatever, you know? Like, and now it's, there's none of that, you know? It's kind of like, well, I'm first of all, I'm not buying it. Or I can check it out and listen to it and be like, eh, I don't like it. I'm not going to buy it. <laughs> so for, you know, if you look at the, I mean, for bands that were popular, in the 80s and 90s those bands made a lot of money off of off of album sales yeah. you know a lot of money you know and that just does not exist anymore i mean it's honestly like in the music world like i mean even like with mazzy star you know it's like they're a lot older than me you know i'm i'm the i'm certainly the youngest in the group but you know they had their um, major success in the 90s you know their first album came out in i don't know 90 or 91 and then so in early 90s early yeah, yeah yeah you know and they sold a lot of cds you know like and tapes and yes some lps too but i mean they sold a real amount you know like for sure and you know they made they made money they made a lot of money you know just like any 
artists that had like a major even artists that were indie artists you know independent people on like like labels like sub pop or whatever or matador even bit people in those bands it was like yeah we're selling like twenty thousand copies thirty thousand copies you know forty thousand copies of something these are you know like yola tango probably did you know mm-hmm. like bands like that yeah, you know yeah. like you know Bands that never even had a commercial, like a like a breakout hit. Like I was gonna go for Pavement, but Pavement kind of actually was a little bit bigger. But you know these sort of popular independent bands like that were happening in the '90s. I'm sure that they made a lot of money too. You know, like compared to what people are making now. Yeah. You know, and it's not like it was too much to ask for. It's not like well, it's not like we need to sell a million. We just need to sell like a few thousand, ten thousand yeah. or something. You know, but now like the idea of selling ten thousand records is like. Damn, you sold 10,000 records? You're killing it, you know? Like, the, the, the question is always coming up of, you know, like, oh, how many LPs are you going to press? How many 12 inches are you going to press? How many 7 inches are you going to press? And it's like, well, shit, how many can we sell? Who knows? <laughs> you know? Um, so it's just like, who knows? Who knows? So you can't count on that, you know? That's like, it's like, if you're selling, if you're making money off record sales, it's kind of like extra. It's like, like bonus points, bonus bucks. It's kind of comes in to be more as like, oh, it's like when you're at a show and you can sell this as merch rather than like, oh, we're making money from like royalty checks in the mail from like all the records that people went to Amoeba and bought. You know, it's like, it's, it's a very small amount. <laughs> oh man. Wow. Um. If you weren't doing music, what do you think you'd be doing as an occupation? I don't know. I've just always known my whole life that I was going to do music. Maybe back to the pizza place? Yeah. Because, I mean, even back when I was doing that, I was doing music. Um, I've always known my whole life that I was a musician. And you've shown it, obviously. And so yeah. I just, it, but it, it continued, you know, it's like one of those things. I mean, I struggle with it more than ever where it's like, can I continue to do this? You know, and that's a, that's like kind of a harsh thing to say out, out loud, but it's true. I'm constantly thinking about that. Like, can I continue to do this? You know, like, um, because I've got kids, you know, it's not just me. If it was just me, you know, and I was like living in an apartment or I had a roommate or whatever, I'd kind of be all good, you know. I'd I'd be fine with being like, I don't need this or I don't need that or like I can get by on this this amount of money. Right. But now where it's like I'm responsible for other other people, it's really hard. So I mean, I do figure out ways of making money in other ways, um, which I do, um, and uh, I have to. And I'm I'm grateful that I am able to make money in other ways and. But the ways that I that I figure out how to make money are things that are flexible, so that I can still do music. Rather, because if I was like, I just need to go get a job somewhere, like I'm I'm putting out my resume, I got to get a job at, you know, Apple, or I got to get a job at Best Buy, or I don't know, tar- somewhere, you know, some kind of company or whatever. I need a job, like then it's like, okay, well, you know, now you're doing a nine to five job, and that's cool and that's fine and like you know for people that have nine to five jobs that's great but when you're a musician you know it's like hey like so we're gonna start recording you know like we're gonna be in the studio it's like you can't just be requesting time off 
from your nine to five job all the time. I mean, maybe unless you have a really cool situation, but yeah, I don't know. For me, if it'd be like, if I was to just get a normal job, it would be like, it would really limit what I would be able to do with the projects that I'm involved in. And I want to be available, but yeah, it's, it's a challenge, but I am actually very fortunate that I'm able to um, make pretty good money doing some other stuff. And if I, so I'm, I'm just really fortunate for that and, and grateful for that. It's not always enough. I'm, I, I'm always trying to bust ass to, to, to figure out how to make it work. Um, I wish it was easier, but um, it's, it's, it's worth it for me to, you know, get creative about it rather than just, you know, putting the drum set away and quitting all the bands, you know? Yeah. So. Do you have a practice space that you go to or do you play it here? Um, I have a I have a little studio in the back. I don't think I showed it to you, but no. I mean it's not a recording studio. But I would love to I, see it. I have a space one. where my drums are set up where I can wow. where I can play in the soundproof back. or no, it's not soundproof. All the neighbors can let hear it. it. Let I, it go. Let it go. The neighbors can definitely hear it. <laughs> do, you, do you ever get like it? Can you like, can you not or? Mm. When I first moved here and there was some different people that lived next door, they would come over every now and then and be like, "Dude, what are you doing? It's super loud." Um, and uh, there was a little bit of complaining about it, but um, now I've been here long enough that I feel like I kind of have tenure, and I can kind of just get away with it. President, I'm I'm more likely to just say like, "Oh yeah, like fuck off," because I've been here a while and I, I just don't care anymore. <laughs> um, but when I first moved here, I was a little bit more respect. But you know what? I'm actually a really good neighbor and super respectful with all of my neighbors and and very nice and friendly and polite. So if people want to have a problem with me playing the drums in the afternoon when everyone's at work here, yeah. and when like people are like making noise with like construction workers, you know, construction workers and gardeners are using power tools and stuff, like give me a break. Like it's in the middle of the day. I hate to break this to you, but like most of my audience are your neighbors, so they're gonna they're gonna hear this. So. It's all good with me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's awesome though. That's that's really great. I mean I, I've always thought about that. That um, it's like, where would I do music? Especially because I play the drums too. Where would I do that if I lived in LA? You know, you can't do that in an apartment or whatever. You know, like yeah. that's like that's really. I think it's really special that you have this kind of yeah. place here. Yeah. No, it is special. Um, if I wanted to do, I mean, I am I am always considerate about the neighbors. Like, if I was to be doing, I I don't really do many full band practices over here. I have. But if I am doing that sort of thing, it's definitely like, okay, let's keep an eye on how loud we're playing, you know? Like, we don't want to, like, we don't really want to piss anyone off. But, yeah, because it's normally just me playing the drums and I'm not and I'm not usually, like, playing super, super loud, nobody really has a problem with it. But, I mean, if I wanted to set, you know, like, move this, you know, move this furniture around and set up a whole group of people in here to play, I'd just do it. Like that, it's that. That's so crazy. It's like that's that's baffling to me. Like that's insane that you're able to do it in LA, and that's and that's awesome. That's really really cool that you can do that. You know? Yeah. Do you think that your kids are interested in music at all, or do you ever push them to be like? Hey, I don't push maybe... them, but I mean, it's a major part of our life already. You know, there's it's like we're always listening to music every day, almost all the time. There's music playing. There's instruments everywhere. They know that that's what I do with my life, you know. 
Um, my wife loves music. You know, she's not a musician, but she loves music. I was really hoping you're going to say like she doesn't really care for it. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, we make it very like we 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 let them we encourage them when they sing when they want to play the instruments like we listen we encourage them, you know, but we also don't push them with it either. You know, I think that. I am going to try to start my son on piano lessons sooner than later. And he actually says that he does want to do it. It's it's one of those things where, I mean, when I was a kid, I didn't take piano lessons because, well, my parents actually just didn't ask me if I wanted to. But I knew a lot of kids that did take piano lessons and they complained about it. Like, uh, I don't want to do this. But a lot of those kids that complained about it as a kid, when they get older, they're like, dude, I'm so glad that I took piano, man. Like, you know, but it's not until they're like in their 20s that they start to actually appreciate the fact that they can still play. So when you start a kid learning an instrument at a very, very young age, it's like learning a second language at a young age. It's that right. much easier, you know? Um, so I don't want to push my kids about something, but I also want to very much give them the opportunity to do it. Yeah. And I want them to, you know, so I think that I'm going to start with piano first. Um my son who's six I think he's ready for it he probably could have started earlier and he does show interest in music I mean he, he's always making up band names and like song ideas and my daughter is like just constantly dancing and singing and so yeah I mean a lot of kids do that kind of thing I guess <laughs> that's great it's my last question here do you think that you will um, stay in LA do you think that this is where you're gonna be for the rest of your life um, I think it's very likely that I will stay here. Yeah. The only way that I, the only thing that I could see being the reason why I would have to move would just be if like things just have just continued to get more and more expensive. I continue to make less and less money as a musician, you know, or being able to find other work, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like m my wife and I, we hustle, you know, where we work really hard to try to be able to stay here you know and hopefully we'll you know our hard work is going to pay off and we're going to be able to stay and keep doing what we do I mean that's basically what it comes down to is you know she's doing what she wants to do with her life and with her passion and I'm doing what I want to do with my life and my passion and it's not easy but you really have to work hard to make it happen and um and make sacrifices and do other things from time to time if you need to. But hopefully it all comes together and your hard work pays off in the end somehow. So I don't know. I don't really know what's next for me. I mean, I'm just going to try to keep pushing myself and um, keep playing and keep trying to do projects. Maybe try to start some of my own projects coming up. You know, I don't know. I don't know, man. Right now it's all, it's all a lot because I just, you know, with the kids being so young too, it's like... Um, you know, time is time is limited, but um, I do I do hope to stay in LA. All right. Yeah. I like it. Is there anything you want to plug real quick? Like uh, anything you got going on right now? Or? No. I mean, I've already said all the stuff that all the bands that I've been playing in. Good. Yeah. Fuck them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. I need to say it again. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. man. I appreciate it. Yeah. I like how we. I I always handshake every time. Cool. But no, wait, no. Sir.